I will give you a run through how thoughts can get converted into actual objects in this universe. I am just going to read one small verse and that verse I will expand on for some time and then I will explain it to you. Uh, this verse says, it is Sankalpa which is called the resolve of the synthesizing activity of the thought that is said to be the Bhavana which is the creative contemplation or the powerful employment of imagination. Here, it is of two kinds, accomplished and unaccomplished. The accomplished is the one having no mixture or vikalpa, which is ideation or dichotomizing thought constructs, and non-ideation, non-ideation or absence of thought constructs is obtained from being fixed on or devoted to one's ideas. I know this is Greek, Latin and <laughs> German and whatever <laughs> to all of you all. So let me just give you a very simple understanding of this. We all have imagination. Imagination is a part and parcel of our material world. You see, if I want to imagine an ice cream, I can immediately bring a cone or a candy or a stick or something like that in front of me. I can immediately visualize it because my imagination is that. Right? So, if I say snow, so those who have seen snow or ice and those who are staying in those cold countries definitely have an idea about it. What about those people who are staying in hot countries? They might not have seen the snow. But at least they have the power of visualization. So the first thing that a person should understand, point number one is called visualization or imagination. Basically, how you can imagine an object to be. Alright? This is the first one. And that is called, you are going to what is called as creatively build up this object. Alright? If I say that there is an orange, so immediately a picture of an orange comes in front of your eyes, right? This orange is what color? It's an orange in color. Then when you open the orange, you will find that there is an outer skin. Then inside you will have all those different, different, you know, pieces of orange. And then inside that there will be pips and then there will be, uh, you know, the threads which are there. You can visualize the whole process, isn't it? It is called visualization or what we are doing is called an imagination which is converted into a visual in front of our eyes. So, this, the process by means of which we can visualize an object and resolve it in front of us. Resolve means, now if I say an orange, can you get a sweet lime in front of you? No. Correct? You will not get. If I say I want a 100 rupee note, you can visualize a 100 rupee note. Can you visualize a 500 or a 1000 at that time? No. I have very clearly told you 100 rupee note. So a 100 rupee note can be visualized by the person immediately. So this particular process of active visualization is that is what is required for the person. Secondly, the resolve or synthesizing activity. This activity which is going to create this 100 rupee note or this orange into reality. 
it has to convert into reality just now i am only visualizing in my mind isn't it now i have to convert it into reality now this conversion happens by means of a resolution i resolve to have 100 rupees got it so what happens is the resolution is so strong so first we need to have a resolution or we need to have a resolve i want to have 100 rupees this is the first thing that you need to have second is by powerful method of visualization see remember these are the same techniques which have been copied by you know uh, norman vincent peel and every other person in this world they have taken the same techniques here what we are doing is we are constructing this object in front of us all right so what do we do it is sankalpa we are making a resolution which is said to be a creative contemplation very creatively contemplating on that object which is called bhavana we are going to have a bhavana or kind of a feeling or a contemplation which is oh it is like this in color oh it is like that thick or thin or strong or whatever that this is called creative contemplation now in this there are two kinds one is accomplished and one is unaccomplished accomplished means the firmness with which you are going to make the object all right what is the firmness that you are going to have the firmness with which you are creating the object now what is this firmness that we are having let us say for example i say i want to have a vanilla ice cream have i described it correctly so the moment i say vanilla ice cream i have clearly said that it is containing vanilla flavoring it is white in color it is ice cream but i have forgotten to say something so are you going to have it on your hand no so you will say i want a tub of vanilla ice cream again you want what 100 liters tub <laughs> we have still not said how big it is so again you see the whole problem with our world is we are not sure of what we want to have so you say a 100 milliliter tub okay now you want a 100 milliliter tub of vanilla ice cream so what i will do okay i'll take it from the road side and give it to you no <laughs> again you have to say ben and jerry 100 lit milliliter of a tub of vanilla ice cream you have to be precise when the, the reason why our our thoughts are not clear we say to god god give me money so god will give you 1 rupee and say hey take this and get out <laughs> what will you do you see the whole point we are being so unsure of what we are doing so the accomplished imagination means you are very very sure of what you want to have if you are not going to say the exact words how is that object going to appear think about it it is not even going to appear <laughs> because uncertainty is that which doesn't make the object come in front of you this is so the object to come in front of you your imagination has to be at least 10 steps ahead 10 steps ahead think about it 
नाउ यू रिमेंबर द स्टोरी ऑफ सत्यवान सावित्री करेक्ट सावित्री वॉज वेरी क्लियर वेन यमदेव आस्ट हर द क्वेश्चन वॉट डू यू वॉन्ट शी वॉज वेरी क्लियर शी सेड आई वॉन्ट टू हैव फूड विथ माई ग्रैंड चिल्ड्रन इन गोल्डन थालीज सो यमदेव सेज ओके डन यू नो वॉट ऑल शी आस्ट फॉर she asked for her husband back see the see the sentence see, see how beautifully it has been put she is asking for her husband back she is asking for having a very good uh, you know life with her husband okay that means she will have children those children will have grandchildren and eating in a golden plate means definitely there is a lot of money and prosperity and things like that and enjoying a meal who enjoys a meal only those who are fully satisfied in life isn't it so savitri was very clear and whatever you know yam they had to grant he cannot say no so what happens to her so yam they says now you go away from here she says how can i go without my husband she says i can't give you the husband i didn't tell you that you are supposed to ask for your husband and anyway you have not asked for him so he says no no i asked for my grandchildren naturally i need my husband back isn't it <laughs> so yamdev has to you know give it back give her her husband this is called accomplished imagination we need to have accomplished imagination accomplished imagination is a process which is far beyond our normal process of thinking so this is what will create the object in front of you remember this and i can only tell you this much the ideation means how these thought constructs happen so now remember how the thought construct happened i want to have my grandchildren that means there will be my children and if there are my children i am going to have a happy married life with my husband and i will have prosperity and then i am enjoying my meal with my grandchildren that means i have even asked for my grandchildren also so this is like a step by step by step by step by step she has asked so many steps well in advance that means from here till there she has already thought it out this is the firmness of imagination which is called the sankalpa which is very firmness with which it's a resolution you have resolved the issue don't keep those half of things in your mind you know god give me money you can't ask god give me money again god give me husband how many women have gone and asked in front of sai baba and every other person on earth they will go you know temples and they will say god give me good husband that fellow will die within a month what is the use of having a good husband okay good husband he will he will himself drink and he will give you to drink also he is very good husband then think about it how stupid can that be okay he is going to be poor so you will also be poor so he is a good husband a wife who goes hand in hand with a husband in poverty also is a good good wife isn't it so you can't be stupid when you go and ask in front of god god give me this that is the stupidity which people do and that is the reason why the sankalpa is so very important the way in which you put it across the modifications also have to be perfect okay so now i have explained to you all how this can be done now the rest of it is what you want to do <laughs> so let us now uh, start begin 
so uh, today we are doing uh, chapter 32 so this this chapter is um, chapter 32 the greatness of the guru sai satcharit my obeisance to shri ganesh to shri saraswati to shri guru maharaj to the family deity to shri sita ramachandra my most humble obeisance i bow in reverence to the most venerable guru shri sainath It was narrated in the last chapter how Vijayanand attained Nirvana, how ba- Balakram also merged into the blissful self at Sai's feet. Similarly, how Tatya Sahib Nulkar and Megha, the devotee most excellent and of highest degree, gave up the body before Sai's eyes. The listeners, however, have listened in detail to even a great marvel than this: the manner of the death of the wild, ferocious animal like the tiger. Now in this present chapter I shall narrate an interesting account as described in Baba's own words which will benefit the listeners greatly once while in the forest Baba had a guru darshan quite unexpectedly listen attentively to the marvelous workings of the guru how can a lowly creature like me describe adequately the marvel of a tale that brings devotion faith and liberation and which came straight out of sai's mouth Similarly when a lady wishes to have baba's darshan to stay in shirdi for 3 days with a vow to observe a strict fast how he contrived a situation whereby he made her break her resolve and got her to prepare puran poli most delicious and appetizing not only did he get the polis prepared by her this is like the chapati with the filling inside what we call in south india i don't know what you call it obattu or something like that okay so <laughs> to have over so not only did he get the police prepared by her but made her eat them to the heart's content and impressed upon her mind how the fulfillment in wearing out one's body in the cause of others is truly great how there is a far greater merit in so doing rather than in observing fast and this was fixed in the mind in such a way that she would never forget it see this is a very common phenomena with most of the women and men in india what they will do is they will go for fasting when you are doing fasting you are thinking about your stomach you are not thinking about god anywhere all these karwa chauth and all the bullshit things that are done in this india today or wherever they are doing what is it that they are thinking about the whole day they are thinking about eating they are thinking about what is the replacement that i can have instead of having a full meal what is the replacement meal that i can have and then they will say oh this is just less calories i'm sorry this is the highest calories think about it the type of things that are eaten during the time of upvas which is basically when you are doing this kind of a, a fasting has got double the amount of calories which and double the amount of carbohydrates and fruits also by the way fructose fruit sugar is one of the worst things you can ever have because it has to be still broken down into various you know, the lower levels of glucose and that that itself is a big process so what happens most of the body tries to store it in the form of a fat it doesn't allow it to be and how much fructose can you douse your body with so again eating fruits and stuff like that or whatever other vegetables and which are absolutely not necessary the body has the capacity of just taking in a few ounces of chlorophyll not uh, tons and tons of it chlorophyll by itself if you use leafy vegetables if you eat no they give you what is called loose motions by the way 
because <laughs> these kind of things which are there in these plants cause them to do that. <laughs> so you will find that it's not healthy enough. So even Baba has said that kindly do not go in for this kind of a fasting also. So we will go to that story. Similarly, how he who is fond of the spiritual path should do sadhana with a firm resolve and venture upon the difficult path to attain the highest lasting good. This is very much for all of us. How, what kind of sadhana is to be done? What kind of pathway we need to follow so that we can attain the highest will? A series of stories in this connection which is sweeter than nectar itself will generate a loving devotion to the listener's heart and will end in all their sorrows. All, all their sorrows. From here onwards, we will follow a sweet tale which will satisfy the fond desires of those who wish to listen, will bring a blissful joy to the narrator and his listeners and will bring a sense of fulfillment to all those who are listening. Sai will get his extraordinary and loving tale narrated through me, while I, a foolish lowly creature, will experience joy and admiration at every step. As I write it, as soon as Ganga Darshan or suffering by the moon's darshan are allayed, so will the words from Sai's mouth destroy all sins and suffering. Now listen respectfully, O listeners, to the description that came from Maharaj Sai's own mouth as to how he had the darshan of his own Guru. Even if Vedas and Vedangas are studied thoroughly and the Shruti Shastras are read repeatedly, there is no true knowledge without the Guru's grace. All other efforts are futile exertions. The book which I was reading this text from is called Tripura Sundaram, Tripura Rahasyam, by the way. Okay, so it is also a glorification of the Guru itself that was written by my Guru. So I was reading out from that very beautiful text. So if there is no grace of the Guru, if there is no way in which nothing that whatever that you might have read is ever going to fructify. You may keep on saying hundreds of prayers. You may keep on singing songs and glories and this and that and every other thing that you want in this world. You are still going to be you know, standing in the temple or praying to that Lord. What are you actually doing? There is nothing that you are going to ever achieve. You are only going to be, you know, in ancient times the, the king used to stand over there and the bhikaris will be standing in front and they will be coming and taking one one kambal from the, from the king and going away. This is exactly what we do. When you stand in the temple, what exactly are you doing? You are giving one har over there, one, one garland and asking for beg. You know, we are begging over there. That is the only thing that a person does. This is not the thing to be done. Basically, to understand everything, every aspect that is done over there, we need what is called the grace of the Guru. Then only all these things will be understood by the person. This extensively spread tree of worldly life, first unmanifest but later manifest and created by the eye in both filled with the pain of birth and death and is destructible. First it is unmanifest. Before you were born, you were unmanifest. That the moment you were born, you became unmanifest. So unmanifest, do manifest. But were you not there as a part of the whole structure, superstructure even before you were born? Somebody must have thought it out, isn't it? Because think about it, your marriage, your your children, your friends, your relatives, your you know the schooling, the education, every other thing that is there has been clearly chalked up. The extensively spread tree of worldly life, first unmanifest, but later manifest and created by the eye, is both filled with pain of birth and death and is destructible. 
It can be cut down and is destructible. Hence, it is called a tree. It is the unmanifest worldly life that assumes a form and becomes manifest. Therefore, it is compared to a tree. The visible destructible tree of life, which has its roots above and its expanse of innumerable branches, is beyond all imagination. We have done this verse in the correct. We have done this verse in the Bhagavad Gita also. And we have done this verse even in the Bible. It is there in the Bible, it is there in the Bhagavad Gita, it is there in literally all the books across the universe. This tree, which is called the tree of life, which is basically upside down, with the roots on top, from one moment to another, it continues to spread, branching off further and further. From a distance, it looks charming, but once embraced, it reveals nothing but thorns all over. It is as sapless as the stump of a banana tree plant, like a mirage in the Gandharvanagar, that fastens those who resort to it with the water of ardent desires and cravings. How does this tree grow? It grows only on the desires. That means imagine there is a fruit which comes off from it. There are leaves, then there are flowers, there are things. It keeps on growing, isn't it? If you see a, grow, a tree, doesn't it grow fuller and fuller and fuller? Ahead and ahead. In the same way, this tree of life is an expansion. It's a process of expansion. One day I had a darshan of this entire tree in its entirety. How this whole structure looks like. It's an amazing tree to actually see it in front of you. It's a very beautiful tree. But the beauty is only skin deep. Okay? There is nothing there. The leaves come. They stay for a certain season. Then they fall off. Then the new leaves will come. And then the new leaves will become green. And then they will also have, you know, it keeps on expanding further and further. So that is the reason why it is driven by desires. So, every desire of us makes this tree expand further. So, let us say for example, if I have a desire that I, that I want to do something in my world, it's going to keep on growing. The tree keeps on growing, expanding more and more. From a distance it looks charming, but once embraced it reveals nothing but thorns all over. It is as sapless as the stump of a banana plant like a mirage in Gandharvanagar but fastens those who resort to it with the water of ardent desires and cravings such as the great outwardly attractive tree. Arising from the karma of wrong, misguided wishes and born from the unmanifest seed, though it is without any real existence it appears every moment to be of a different nature. I told you, you know, that it keeps on differing. First the leaves are very tender, then they grow, then the color changes, then it becomes green, then it becomes greener, then it becomes yellow, then it becomes brown. Even the fruit, it may be before in the form of a flower and from the flower it becomes a fruit and then fruit, so on and so forth and then the seeds remain. Everything keeps on changing, so it is it's a continuously changing. Though it is without any real existence, it appears every moment to be of a different nature. Disastrous by its very nature, it is born of ignorance and is surrounded by the water of intense desires and cravings that collect around it. The tree of life, which is the retinue of wife, sons, wealth, grains, etc., gains a foothold because of its identification in men's minds with the material and the physical and it exists only to support this. Here the line is very clear. It says, the moment you say, I want to have a husband, I want to have a wife, what happens? You think that that is the end of it? No. The moment you are thinking in terms of marriage or a husband or a wife, you have to think in terms of a long-term process. Then you are going to have 
your in-laws, your outlaws, you name it. Everybody is going to be around you. And then you will be out of the house very soon. Don't worry. Because the children will be there and the children will make you work. What? <laughs> so they will say, okay, mommy, daddy, you go to work. I have to study. And then they will grow up and then they are going to get married and then they are going to have children. And imagine it's a never-ending stupid process. And this process is just because it's like a chicken and the egg syndrome. Till you don't make the egg, break the egg, you know, and make an omelette out of it. From the from the egg will come a chicken, from the chicken will come an egg, from the egg will come a chicken and it goes on. You know, that's a never-ending story. So, when is it going to end? Till you make an omelette of it. Okay, you take the egg, next time it comes, crack it, make an omelette, finish. The story is the end. Then no more chicken will come. <laughs> so, this this is the most important thing. We need to put a... And that is the reason why it is said. Who are the things, what are the things that keeps on making it grow? This is sons, wives, wealth, grains, etc. The tree whose branches are a numerous creatures of the two sexes and which are restrained by the descending shoots of karma... Desires, etc., flourish in its entirety, covered closely with the leaves of Shruti, Smriti, etc., blooming with the newly sprouted tender leaves of speech, touch, etc., filled with the luxuriant blossoms of the rites and the rituals of Yajna, Dan, etc. This tree is endowed with the succulent juices of the pairs of opposites. Pairs of opposites means I like it and I don't like it. This is white, this is black. All pairs, this is very nice and that is not very nice. We have these pairs of opposites that keep on happening. Unlimited is its fruit and it has become the means of livelihood for one and all. The region of the earth that is the antariksha or the sky, none of these are without this tree. Some, sometimes dance and songs and instrumental music, sometimes play, laughter, tears such as the eternal people tree, always with its head downwards. Manifest in this illusory universe of all existence, born of Maya, this tree is destroyed by the weapon of detachment or renunciation. It can only, you can crack the egg by means of detachment and renunciation. Detachment? Why are you so much attached to wife, body, children, this, that, houses, cars, you name it, everything, gold, jewelry, what all, what not, bullshit stuff that we keep on, you know, just keep on thinking, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. Renounce those objects, they don't need to be yours. You just have to let it be. Whoever wants to own can own it. Who cares? You do not take the ownership of these objects. Just because you have got a legally wedded wife which says, you know, on stamp paper and all, this is my wife or this is my husband, doesn't mean that it is like. It only means that it is just a relationship which has been brought about so that the future generation gets created by the way. Think about it. Just one pollen grain somewhere. It just comes and falls on some stigma and then it becomes a fruit isn't it i'm sure you remember how the birds and the bees and all those things happen so it's a stupid silly thing beyond that there is nothing so you should know its pure origins that is the good virtuous disposition in its very nature light itself this brahma which is the truth sustains all the world is an illusory as a dream which has neither the beginning nor the end and without any support how can it sustain itself in such a position? Think about it, it is suspended in space. The roots are going up over there and the you know the leaves and all are down there. It's not even suspended. It's just hanging over there. Visualize it. 
now we are talking about uh, imagination isn't it so we imagine this is how you are suspended here <laughs> so exactly like this na ghar ka na ghat ka when when the wife is fighting with you or with mother uh, you can't take wife side and you can't take mother side you know what you are becoming you are becoming a trishanku in between the <laughs> two you are going to get slaughtered on both the sides okay it's the same thing where you don't know what is going to hit you very hard so the brahma is the truth the only remember this is the truth the world is illusory as a dream which has neither beginning nor end and is without any support how can it sustain itself in such a position that for which great efforts are made to be detached to which the saints are always attached and which the seekers are constantly in search of the sadhakas are more desirous of i am sorry today i am going slightly slow because this is a very deeper lesson that we are doing i know this the the story has not yet started so let me the, so the lesson is important so i am going slightly slower so the detached detachment you are not bothered about the fruits of any action you are not bothered about what is going to come of it you are just doing your duties in your material world just because they have there to be done okay so such type of a person who does this kind of a duties when whatever is required in a very detached manner that person great efforts are made by this to which the saints are always attached what are they attached to they are attached not to this remember yesterday i was talking you have to be attached to the feet of the lord so the attachment to be removed from the material worldly people the things houses this that mother father brother sister this one that one everybody take that attachment from there disconnect from there and put it at the feet of the lord and put put a glue over there fix it <laughs> so fix it over there so that way so you have to remove it from here and attach over there so the saints are attached that way and we the seekers are constantly in search of and the sadhakas are mostly desirous of when one wishes to attain that he should surrender to the saints and listen to whatever they say totally eschewing all doubts and misconceptions so when the sages are talking you have to listen to them very very carefully see first and foremost we really don't know what we are doing in this material world and then on top of it we are reading some fantastic texts 90% of it is going bouncer nobody knows what is being read over there so what happens is to listen to the satsang is so very important listening to the sages what is it that they are talking what is it? see let me tell you this half of the time we are listening to our mind half of the time illa 99% we are listening to our own mind only so if i ask you what was the last 10 sentences that i said oh, oh, oh sorry sorry what were you talking about no 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 no, no. i was thinking kitchen mein hai na maine ye rakha hai wo jaake band karna padega gas ko <laughs> think about it. this is what we are doing all the time aur gas ko band karna padega oh today is the first i got to pay these electricity bills i got to <laughs> you are not here 99% of the time you are somewhere else so this is not so what do the sages do they keep on repeating the same thing 100 times at least once it will go <laughs> that is the reason why satsang is important and contemplation on it what was being taught today now see i gave you such a beautiful formula okay in the beginning of the satsang now 
I'm sure 99% of it is erased from the memory. You won't even remember what is this, what is it that you are talking about, some imagination and stuff like that. Okay, okay, I will, maybe I'll go back to the recording and see. You don't know. You may go 100 times to the recording, it's only once that you will understand. So that is that is the reason why it is important. When one wishes to attain that, he should surrender to the saints and listen to whatever they say, totally eschewing all doubts and misconceptions. They are there to remove your doubts, so you listen to them and they will be in a position to grant you that knowledge. Bundling up the thoughts in the mind, banishing from all the ingenuity and false wisdom, severing the ties of maya and attachment, he should concentrate on the feet of the Guru. Just now I said, no, you have to remove this attachment from here and put it at the feet of the Guru. Why? There you put stick fast. Stick over there only. Don't, don't, don't bother about the rest. So banish all ingenuity. Ingenuity means... Oh, this is what he's teaching. Ah, I, I know, I know this. Last time only I attended that satsang. I know everything. <laughs> so, this is called ingenuity. You think you know. So, what you do? Ah, sir, how are you, sir? Well, last week you, do, you were not here. You missed a very important lesson. But <laughs> you are not supposed to be sitting and chatting with a person over there. You are supposed to be listening over there. No, no, last week I listened to it. This is just a repetition, you know. He did those 35 lines last time also. Now he is doing the same thing. No, you are not. You are missing the point. The point is you have to listen to it because it is being told to you. So, so this is called ingenuity. So you have to remove this kind of ingenuity, thinking that you know too much. And <clears throat> shake off the misleading doubts, or else they will obstruct your path, trample up under your feet all conceit. The conceit that is there. I come from this family. I know everything. I am born like this. I know everything. This is a kind of conceit. Every time you will find that those who think they know too much, they come, they'll come and they'll, they'll make a big noise over there while sitting also. And we have seen so many people in the Sai Satcharitra, when they think no end of themselves, they'll come and sit over there and they'll think, oh, I know everything. That is called self-conceit. You should never have that. You have come to learn, so you should listen to it carefully, what is being taught, and go ahead from there, contemplate on what is being taught. If you do not keep all the doors and the windows open, what will happen? Nothing is going to sink in. So it's important to listen. Only then will you reach the shore beyond. And now listen to the sweet tale in the connection which Baba had himself narrated. And by doing so, you will experience bliss, blissful happiness as you drink the nectar of the Guru's words. Once the four of us, having already read the Pothis and Puranas and gained knowledge, began to debate about the Brahma. Taking up the maxim of the Gita, that one must uplift himself of his own efforts, that is Gita chapter 4, uh, 6, verse 5. One of it contended that it is most improper to depend upon anyone else for it. To him, another replied, only he who is truly the blessed one, whose mind is fully under control, therefore one should always be free from doubt, resolves, etc., knowing that there is nothing in the world except one's own self. Everything that is subject to change is transient. What is permanent is that which does not change. Therefore, always think in terms of permanent and transitory, said the third. The fourth one did not approve of bookish learnings, but believed in conducting oneself in conformity with the Shastras and offering oneself totally, body, speech and the five vital airs at the Guru's feet. So, we are talking about the four Nanis who are there. 
the four nyanis, the three, are the ones who who expound on philosophy from their own perspective. The fourth one is Baba, Sai Baba. What does he say? He says, I don't understand any of these things. I only know that everything will be found at the feet of the Guru. That's it. Beyond that, there is nothing. The rest of the people came up with their fancy notions about this verse 6, you know, verse 5 from chapter 6 of the Bhagavad Gita, which is by itself a very tough one to understand. So, here what happens is, Baba says, I don't understand a word of what is being said. So, the only thing is, I have to offer my body, mind, speech and everything that I have at the feet of the Guru. A firmly rooted unwavering faith is necessary to believe that the Guru is God himself who pervades the entire animate and inanimate universe from inside and outside. So, his way of thinking is so very profound. He says, see, I know that this kind of the faith that I need to have in my Guru has to be ultimate, absolute, 100%. Why? Because it is Him only everywhere, isn't it? Inside and outside. Why inside and outside? Because Guru Sakshat Parabrahma. Parabrahma, Brahma is inside as well as outside, isn't it? Remember, the moment we say the soul, where is the soul? Your body is suspended in the Paramatma. So, it is inside of you as well as outside of you. That which runs the body is called the spirit. So, don't mix up these two. Okay. <coughs> so, those merely well versed in the Shastras, those who are solely intellectual and those who are only inquisitive can never ever dream of acquiring true knowledge. What is needed here is a pure, devote, faithful devotee. So, Baba is telling them, you can't do, be doing gymnastics over there. Your mind is gymnastics. Those who want to do this, you know, trying to understand these Shastras are people, those who are using their mind for too many gymnastics. So, he says, that is not required. What is needed here is pure, devout, faithful devotee. Thus, we the four intelligent men set out in search of something, intended to make the discovery. When that the discovery should be made independently of their own with a mind free from all worry. Such was the intention in the mind of the tree. But while wandering freely in the forest, we met a vanzari. Again, we are meeting one more vanzari over here on the way, who asked us, the heat of the sun is intense. For what purpose are you going and where? We replied, we are going in search of the forest and his interiors. The vanzari asked, what are you search seeking for? searching for, we said in reply, it is not good to talk about what is a secret. That's conceit, isn't it? <laughs> the Vandari knows the forest so well. One. One means forest. The one who goes in the forest <laughs> is also called a Vandari. The forest dwellers. See, he knows the forest better than you and you are going to seek something in the forest and here you are asking <laughs> You don't know what we are seeking. You forget here. So, by seeing our frantic hurried running hither and thither, the heart of the Vanzari was moved with pity. He said, the forest is difficult to access. Unless you know it very well, you should not wander in it at all. To roam such forests, you should always have a guide with you. At this high noon, why did you undertake this venture? Why all these arduous efforts? Do not tell me your secret mission if you like. But at least sit down and have a piece of bhakri, bread, drink some water and then go. Have some patience in your heart. So the Vanzari, that is the Guru himself actually, 
he is saying see you don't know this material worldly life what is it that you are seeking over there so you are trying to go inside the forest to try to learn the truth about uh, you know gita and all that the profound truth you think you will get it over there but you are going on an empty stomach you can't do that so the thing is why are you all doing this why can you not have this little meal just now with me but no they are all having their self conceit so what do they do they say no no see what they do to roam such forest is always you need to have a guide so do not tell me your secret mission if you like but at least sit down and have a piece of bakri although he urged us so sincerely we proceeded on the way without heeding him and scorned at his request but later on in the way we found ourselves completely exhausted oh but clever as we are we can easily find our way where is the need for a guide such was our secret pride so this is what is called the guru the guru's entry is a very very important thing if you, if we, there is no guru in the world you cannot even understand where this forest is going you may read so many shastras and this and that but nothing no knowledge will ever enter because you really don't know how to go out but the forest was extensive and thickly wooded with tall enormous trees where the sun's rays could not penetrate at all how could one find one's way there we lost our bearings completely wandering here and there fruitlessly but great was our good fortune that we came back to the same spot from where we had started fate sent us back in the way we had come and once again we met the same banzari look like looks like you took the wrong path sometimes the ingenuity of the mind does not help the task may be big or small but someone has to point out the way and on an empty stomach nothing is discovered even the intellect wanders in bewilderment so if you are trying to search for god on an empty stomach you are not going to find him so don't even try that okay so keep your stomach full so that you know your stomach is going to help you search for the god you know <laughs> so something like that so what happens unless it's a plan of the almighty you will never you will meet no one on the way so never turn your back on food offered never push away a platter of food when someone offers you a piece of bread requesting you to eat it take the words to be good omen which will remove all obstacles to your work now have some repast and keep a little patience in your heart but such good counsel did not appeal to the three of them and once again they set out without eating anything by saying that unless we discover something we will not eat any food they became victims of their own obstinacy I am hungry my throat was parched with thirst moreover i was filled with fond admiration for the remarkable love and the concern of the vanzari we the learned the scholarly knew no kindness nor pity being rich but miserly nobody bothers to shoe away the crow with an unwashed hand but this vanzari without any learning or authority or a lower varna or a vanzari by caste and yet how much natural affection he had in the heart that he should say eat some bread and vegetable he who loves in this way without any expectation only he is true nyani and i felt to show him respect is the most exquisite way of gaining supreme knowledge who is a nyani according to baba he says it very clearly the one who has no expectations of any kind a person who offers anything he who is offering the love without any expectation of any kind only that person can be called a true nyani therefore with great respect i ate the quarter piece of bread that the vanzari gave me and drank some water and lo what a wonderful thing happened quite unexpectedly guru raj appeared and said to us why all these arguments and debates <coughs> i then related to him everything 
from the beginning to the end. So suddenly what happens? The Vanzari disappears and in place, the Guru of Sai Baba stands in front of him. So he asks him, oh, so what were you all discussing when you all were walking over there? So he is talking about that verse from the Bhagavad Gita. Will you come with me? <clears throat> I shall immediately find out for you whatever you are searching. What is it that they were searching for? Remember the verse? In that verse, they were searching for something. So what is it that you are searching? I will give that thing. But only he who respects my word will achieve his purpose. Others did not agree, but I acquiesced with great respect. All others then went away and Guru Raya took me with him. He took me to a well, tied a rope both my legs and lowered me in the well in a feet up, head down position. Think about it. Feet up, head down position. He is lowering him in the well. Guru Raya suspended me in the well in such a way that the hand should not reach the water, nor should any water go in my mouth. There was a tree near the edge of the well to which was tied the other end of the rope. Guru Raya then went away, who knows where, with a mind free from doubts or anxiety. What is this meaning? When the Guru is giving you the lessons or when the experiences are coming, remember the experiences are going to be very, very tough. They are not going to be easy the way you think about them. You, your, your strength, your faith is getting tested in the first place. What is the thing that is getting tested? It's called faith. He is being suspended upside down. He is put inside the well. Isn't his faith very important at that point in time? Or if he thinks that, oh my, this man is going to dump me in the well. I am going to die over here. Then there is no faith left. But, and the Guru also walks away from there without any thinking. Why? Because he knows that his disciple is the best. That is called faith. So, when you have such kind of faith, then he can just walk away. About four or four and a half hours passed by, after which he came back. He then quickly took me out and asked me, Are you alright? I replied, I am full of joy. The happiness that I experienced, how can a lowly creature like me describe it? Guru Raya was very pleased to hear these words. He moved his hands on my back very affectionately and made me stay with him. Even as I am relating to you, love surges in my heart. The Guru then took me to the school, showing for me the same love, concerned as the mother bird who clasped the young ones under the wings. And oh, how fascinating was the Guru's school! So much so that I forgot my fond attachment to my parents. The chain of delusion attachments was broken and I was liberated quite effortlessly. Bonds which are undesirable were totally snapped and the bondage that obscured spiritual inclination was severed. I felt like embracing the Guru's story of the image in his eyes themselves. Unless his image lives in the eyes all the time, the eyes will all but be two balls of flesh. Or I would rather be blind without his image. Such was the great importance of the Guru's school to me. So, he goes to the Guru with the Guru to his place where the Guru is teaching the other disciples as well. Can there be anyone so fortunate who having once stepped into the school will when go want to go back home? My house, my family, my parents. Guru Raya became everything for me. So now, no my family, no my house, no parents, no husband, no wife, nothing, nothing, nothing remains. Once you have surrendered to the feet of the Guru. All my sense organs, including the mind, had left their places and come to stay in the eyes alone for the purpose of meditating upon the Guru. When the Guru alone is the object of meditation for the eyes and all else is the Guru himself, so that there is nothing separate from him, this is called single-minded meditation or we say single-minded devotion to the Guru. 
Thus, meditating on the form of the Guru, the workings of the intellect cease. Therefore, ultimately, only make an obeisance to him, observe speechless silence. So, by looking at the Guru from a distance, the knowledge starts coming inside of you. Remember, the intellect is disconnected. What was mentioned in the line? The intellect is disconnected. So, what is remaining is called the pure intellect only. This intellect which is telling us in the material world, the orange is orange in color, it has got pips in it, it has, this is there and that is there and what is vanilla ice cream, all that thing disappeared. Got it? So, what remains is only the pure intellect. So, while thus meditating in the form of the Guru, the working of the intellect ceases. Therefore, ultimately only make an obeisance to him, observing speech, speechless silence. Or else, one may make a Guru for acquiring the true knowledge, only to discover that as far as valuable instruction, there is only a cipher, which good memory money is lost in giving him Dakshina. Consequently, one may be left with nothing but regrets. Now, if we have gone to the Guru trying to think that we are going to get the Brahmanyana, we are gone. Why? Because Brahmanyana can never be taught to anybody. Understand this. It's, it's, it's a fruitless thing. So your money will be gone. That means you are given some Dakshana that is gone down the drain. <laughs> so there is no point in giving Dakshana to somebody who is going to give you Brahmanyana. Brahmanyana can never be given. So don't, don't even think about that. So it is going to be a regret. He who only babbles about occult knowledge, making a show of honesty and sincerity, but has nurtured on hypocrisy, what can one, what can such a one give to the disciple? Person who is talking about all the occult knowledge, oh, this star is in this place and that is in that place and that is like this and you go and do this and all kinds of, you know, things that are told. You go to this temple, you give so many narials, you go and put one, uh, you know, tavij in your this thing. All that is nonsense. He says, then you are completely lost. He who is in all appearance pure and holy, but in reality immature and is lacking in first-hand experience. The schooling of instructions for such a one is altogether useless. So, if a person is actually gone for trying to get something like this from the person, and that person is offering such kind of a knowledge, or what is called as complete ignorance is being offered, then this person is completely a dodo. He is not understanding one bit also. He is completely a duffer. What verbal bookish knowledge abounds without any real experience of Brahmanyana? And when the Guru himself glorifies in his own greatness, how can a disciple derive any benefit from him? So here, when the Guru is describing all sorts of funny stuff, you know, okay, you do so many opvas, you put so many uh, candles, you do this and you do that and all those kind of nonsensical stuff that is being told. If that is told, then it is of no use, that kind of a Guru. He whose words does not touch the heart of the disciple and whose testimony does not bring conviction to the mind, of what avail is the instructions? It is merely an empty, meaningless babble. In this way, he made me do upasana and showed me the store of true knowledge. I did not have to search for it in the least, nor did I have to try to understand the deeper significance. There is no need to try to divulge, you know, try to go deeper and deeper into, oh, what is being told today? I need to understand. There is no need to understand. Don't worry. What is needed by you will enter you. You got what I am saying? The rest of that will not enter. Don't worry. Okay. So, you know, when when you when you use a mixer, okay, and you are trying to remove the seeds from something, 
what happens the seeds also get crushed you know that isn't it so that knowledge will never be there for you why because when you put on the then all the seeds are mixed around and you get that get all that american kind of uh, orange juice you know fully kadwa kadwa sorry that is not the way of doing it you know what you do there is a vapor you know? <laughs> just press it for just 2 seconds what will be what happens is the seeds separate out <laughs> then the then the juice separates out got it that is all you need to do half a second boom like that that's it <laughs> so techniques are important so what happens by sitting in the company of the sages he is not putting the mixer on 1 2 3 and all that no no he doesn't need to do that <laughs> nothing is going to enter you are going to get kadwa juice here he just does once enough what is going inside of you is more than enough don't try to think about oh what is being taught the whole thing 99% don't worry about it <laughs> remember वैसे भी 99% जाता नहीं है 1% जाता है 1% is more than enough okay because he knows what best to be given to you that is all so that is knowledge which is important <clears throat> the profound significance dawned on me all on its own and the knowledge was gained effortlessly such is the marvel of guru's grace all search for it ended there and then the knowledge has to enter you effortlessly you don't have to stress yourself oh what what was being taught you know in school you remember uh, we by heart all these things in college though we will write one small slip of paper and put it in our pants and wear all things we don't know what <laughs> so here there is nothing like that that little you absorb is more than sufficient okay so what and it has to come very naturally to you so only that knowledge which is coming naturally to you that is more than sufficient believe me you don't need to know the deeper aspects of it nothing like that is required so he says the knowledge is gained effortlessly how i could feel joyous when guru raya has suspended me upside down is something that he alone has the power to understand suspending you upside down means is a very strange word isn't it suspending you upside down okay means in the material world he dunks you you know he doesn't allow you to touch the water you are not going to drown don't worry <laughs> he is going to suspend you just little bit above the water <laughs> you can't touch the water you are not going to drown so the material world is never going to touch you remember this much only if you have faith if you keep on struggling then you are going to go and fall in the well so don't worry about all those things you just need to have faith is going to suspend you in such a way that it is just going to be little above the ground above the water for and a half hours okay <laughs> for and a half hours means how much that sadhana is going to be you don't don't have any idea so till but if you keep on struggling the knots will tighten you may fall off something may happen don't worry he has secured you properly so be sure that the knowledge which is imparted to you is perfect at the moment what is right for you is right for you don't try to extract too much don't try to struggle so guru raya knows this perfectly what he is supposed to give you okay <clears throat> the learned pundits are blinded okay sorry 
The way of the saints are always contrary to those in the world. This knowledge is born of experience. Here faith alone is one sustenance and Guru's grace is the only means. So faith is what you need to have and Guru's grace will be there. To the rigidly ritualistic, there is a binding of injunctions and prohibitions. To the jnani, there is an ego of superior knowledge. And to the yogi, the shortcomings of becoming a hypocrite. These are the three most important things for three people, three types of people. What is the first one? The first one he says, those who are ritualistic, there are all kinds of injunctions. Doing this and not doing that. You see, you have to eat this. You cannot eat that. This has to be done like this. The morning, you know, so many things you got to do. So, do's and don'ts are there. That is for the ritualist. The second one is, for the jnani, there is an ego of superior. I know everything. That knowledge, every jnani has this problem of ego. And the third one is called, the yogi, he always turns out into a hypocrite. A yogi always is whatever is no, there is no need for that. A yogi, see what is important is the oneness with the Lord. Yes, no doubt about it. But becoming the devotee is a must. You are not supposed to be doing any of these things. It is not worth it. So, thus nothing will really work here except firm faith. The learned pundits are blinded by arrogance. They are very Im image of pride. The jnanis run away with their very sight and does not keep their company. The jnani says, can there be any god other than myself? Aham Brahmasmi. He keeps on saying those words, you know, the jnani. Myself being enriched with true knowledge, I am myself the supreme conscious. By virtue of own loving devotion, a devotee will never boast of his knowledge. He offers himself body, mind and wealth at the Swami's feet. He surrenders all to the Swami. He does not swell with the pride, this is my achievement and this is my majesty of my power and the grandeur of my powerful intellect. So, should we stop over here? Because it's already time up for those people who have to go. So, I'll stop over here.